I don't know, you guys need about uh, <clears throat> four or five minutes uh, before you can talk. Um, our team was affected in a big way. Um, back on <clears throat> June 10th, we left the church office. June 11th, we flew out at uh, 1.15 in the morning um, to Chennai, India, and it was a long trip. Um, 40 plus hours of traveling by the time we got from leaving here to the time we got to our destination. But it was a miracle that flew out of uh, San Francisco that day. This series that we're in here at church today is called Storytellers. Um, and so we want to tell you the story um, of what happened in India, uh, what happened in each one of our lives individually. So I've got the number of the team with us here this morning. There were 10 of us that left um, and went to India. And um, this morning, um, I'll let each person that comes up introduce themselves, but uh, we're down three. Uh, Bobby Waterdown uh, went with us, and she can't be here this morning. And then Jesse Neary is out doing his uh, guard service duty, um, and he can't be here this morning. And then Marin um, is hanging out with this uh, family called the Myers, someplace back in Oklahoma. So uh, she can't be here this morning. Um, but the rest of us are here, and you guys stepped up in a huge way and made it possible for us to go and be instruments in the Redeemer's hands and the hands and feet of Christ um, down on the other side of the world. And it was an amazing trip. Thank you. Um, I am going to have a hard time getting through this morning as everybody tells their stories. But uh, you guys need to pick who's going to be first to tell their story. Um, you know, and uh, we'll go from there. But you guys, we'll do about three minutes apiece, and I'd like to call the team forward this morning who wants to come up first and just share a little bit. Um, I'll call you by name if you don't come up. And it's blinking. Yeah. Test that. Hello. There we go. All right. Um, This is going to be hard. I'm sorry if I start bawling my eyes out. Um, I wrote this down um, to help me. So um, I'm just going to read it, and hopefully that'll help me from crying my eyes out. Um, Okay. First of all, I'd like to say thank you for your prayers. And your financial support. You guys can tell. Uh, seriously, um, I wish we could bottle a little bit of the emotion that we feel for our church, uh, for our family here that sent us there. Because um, it radically touched our lives and it touched lives in India in a big way. The feedback I'm getting um, from the people that run Little Flock um, is really significant. I'll talk more about that at the end, but there you go. (laughs) Thank you. That's why he's an elder. He knows where the tissues are. (laughs) Okay. Deep breath. All right. Um, well, I, I really appreciated that song God awakened my soul because that's what happened. So this trip was truly life changing for me. You can see from our pictures, that we met some amazing people of all ages that make up Little Flock. They are precious to me, and I will not forget them. As wonderful 
as it was to be in India. My life-changing moments happened while preparing to go. And since I only have a couple minutes, I just wanted to tell you about that, hoping to encourage you to go and have your own adventure. I think if you live long enough, you'll go through some trying times. I think that we all do. My trying times left me feeling overwhelmed, tense, burdened, and much like a deer caught in headlights, unable to move and bracing to be run over. I didn't feel God's presence. And this became evident to me while deciding whether or not to follow Christy, my daughter, to India. (laughs) Which meant leaving my five-year-old to be taking care of his older siblings while my husband Troy was at work. Lots of thoughts filled my mind. Um, But missing Malaysian airline or airplanes and sex trafficking won out, and so I chose to go with Christy. I asked Liz Haugen and Angela Lockwood to be aunties to my children, especially if I did not return. And the very morning I decided to go with Christy, I left Ryan at home with his older siblings, all very capable people. Um, My oldest is 18, my son Brandon. Um, And Ryan sat on my bed watching cartoons, and he proceeded to eat 80 Tums. 80. (laughs) 80. 80. So I had to rush him to the ER where they told me he would just be severely constipated. And he was. The next day I asked him if he went poo, and he replied, yes. And it was quite stressful, just like they said. (laughs) And this is a cute story, and it ended well, but it made my... It made me doubt my decision to go to India. And in the end, there were at least five major problems and several little problems that plagued our trip. I saw these as signs that God did not want me to go. But I continued to move forward in faith. I did not know the outcome. The trip had come within an hour of being canceled once already. Then the most amazing thing happened. I went from being frantic and panicked, telling my family all the reasons why I just couldn't go to India, to knowing that God had worked out all the details. I felt freedom and security and peace like I had never known it before. I felt like the God of creation was personally looking for me. The batteries went out. Hello? Okay. And then I realized that this trip was an analogy for the rest of my life. The things that I thought I'd screwed up or made poor choices or when I couldn't feel God, he was right right with me then too. And in his time, he made all those things beautiful. 
So I went from being a person that resigns herself to dying every time she boards an airplane to one who has an adventurous spirit. And I had absolutely no anxiety of any kind the whole trip. None at all. And I ate all the food and I just had such a great time. Um, And on a side note, I want to say that before God's peace swept over me, I had nearly constant neck pain for two years. And since the Holy Spirit blessed me with this peace and calm, I have not had any neck pain at all. Not even after traveling 40 hours on an airplane or sleeping in a strange bed. No neck pain ever since. And so by telling you my testimony, I want to encourage you to go to India or go on a mission trip, especially if you're afraid or you think you can't afford it. Trust God in the areas of your life that you clutch on to. And something may happen to you. <laughs> you should be so lucky. Thank you, Anne. Christy? Hello. Who are you? My name is Christy. And you're Anne's daughter? Yes. Okay. Okay, so um, with me, uh, the journey began about three years ago. I was hearing about the um, mission trip that that my church did to India, and Uncle Phil told me a lot about it and his experience with it, and it really um, put something in my heart and made me want to go, and um, Natalie, my mom, and I would always uh, talk about it and dream about going together for a little while. And um, my mom said the point where we could go would be my dad saying yes. And so we didn't really ask him. We just we just kind of drifted away from the idea of it. And then my dad came up to us a little while later and just told us that we should go on a mission trip to India. And we were kind of awestruck and very excited. But that was um, like three years ago. So then we kind of drifted away from it and hadn't gone, but I still had something in my heart. And I just really wanted to go. And I felt a calling there. And so I had been praying about it for about three years straight. And then I... um, I finally got an answer, and that was a yes. So I, I kind of tested God with it too. I would, I would kind of, I'd be praying, okay, God. Like a simple thing I did was like I was listening to my music um, before I went to bed one night, and I was like, okay, God, if you want me to go to India, play this song next. But it was like the last one on my playlist. It was not next, and <laughs> and um. Even a simple thing like that, then that was the next song that started playing. It wasn't on shuffle or anything, so I was kind of like, like sat up in my bed. I was like, oh, okay, and I got excited, and like I would do little things like that a lot, and I still every time got a yes, and so it was really um, exciting, and I had no doubt in my mind that I was going to go to India this summer, and 
Um, so I told my mom that I was going to India. <laughs> um, not the best idea. But um, she um, was very worried about it. And um, just um, a lot of things came up getting there that um, would make the whole team really stressed out and kind of like swaying away from the trip. Um, I had a name change on my um, on my plane ticket um, about a day before we left, and um, there were a lot of things that came up that just every time um, just was a testimony to God's faithfulness and how he is with us always, and he takes care of every little detail, and he already went before us and planned it all out, and um, he was there through everything, and that was the main thing um, that I learned um, before the trip is just God is so faithful, and if he wants you to be doing something, he's already went ahead of you, and he has it all planned out, and um, I had no doubt in my mind that God was with me, and if um, if we didn't make it, then that was God's plan, and we were going to be fine. So, like, we were running through the Singapore airport on the way to India, and um, we had, like, ten minutes to get from a whole different building and across the next building in the airport and board our flight, and we were just running through the airport. The whole team was stressed out, and I was laughing, and I was so excited, like, woo, we get to we get to get up and run and, like, exercise finally. <laughs> and um, I was just so happy. So I actually got some, like, glares from the, the team, like, what is your issue? Like, you are happy that we're about to miss our flight to Chennai? And I was just like, well, if we don't make it, God's got a, di- a different plan for us and we'll be fine. But we get to, you know, get up and do something, so I'm happy. <laughs> so, like, it just really... Everything that happened proved that God was with us through it all. And then um, once we got to India, I just fell in love with everything. Uh, The culture, the people, even the smells, which is a big surprise to me. Um, I just loved it so much and am so thankful for every little experience we got there and meeting all the amazing people. And um, another little thing is that... um, you know, all the things happening before the trip and everything going on, I expected um, I expected amazing things to happen. I expected to feel, like, really feel the presence of God in India. Like, um, I had heard all these stories in the past of big miracles happening and all this stuff. And um, when we were in India, I was feeling a little defeated because I didn't necessarily feel close to God even though all these things were going on and it was so amazing. And I really learned a lot about um, faith. That's why it's called faith and not feelings. <laughs> because even if you're not really feeling it and you you don't um, really feel God close to you and you kind of feel distant and stuff, you still have to be faithful because God is faithful. And you have to keep trying, just like you would in any other relationship. And it really is 
just it was a big testimony to see God's faithfulness and then have to be faithful myself through everything. So. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Who wants to go next? Isabel, why don't you come up with your mom, too? I have to, like, call Isabel out. So. I am Elisa Ramirez, and this is Isabel. Hi. Uh, my journey started about nine or ten years ago with Little Flock um, because my oldest daughter was in Sharon Linebarger's fifth grade class, and she was one of the founders of Little Flock. So I have heard about Little Flock for years and always kind of had it in the back of my mind, I'm going there someday. Um, when the trip came up through church, I was like, I'm going. And I asked my second daughter, and she said, there's a 10% chance I'll go, Mom, because she's, she's like my, my homebody. She doesn't like to go outside of her comfort zone. And then Isabel here says, but I want to go, Mom. And I'm like, okay, so we'll make this happen. Um, we didn't experience a lot of the issues that some other people did getting ready to go. At least I didn't know about them because Phil wouldn't tell me. Um, but when he told me, I thought in the back of my mind, it doesn't matter. I was going. I didn't care if anybody else went. I was going. I would even leave her behind because it was that important for me to get there because I had heard about it for so many years. Um, the flight over there was very long, and she wasn't feeling very well on the way there. And when we got there, um, it was pretty much everything I expected. It was a little overwhelming at first because when you hear about kids and their stories and what their life has been like, and then you actually see them, it was like, wow. I mean, I've seen the pictures of these kids when they were little, and now, I mean, they're teenagers now. Some of them are in college, and it's, I mean, it's a magical place. You can't, there's nothing that any of us can put into words about what it is like at Little Flock, just that it's just amazing. Um, it is heartbreaking. Phil probably had the hardest time with some of the kids for us. Um, and Isabel, she had a, a good experience with a couple of the kids. Um, for me, I'm a very busy person, so it was really hard for me to slow down because India is like, it's on Indian time. It's like, I'm like, Phil, are we going to do anything else? I mean, what else do we got to do? <laughs> Um, so that was really difficult for me. The food was a little difficult for me. I'm not really picky, but I can't eat rice three meals a day for, you know, <laughs> nine, ten days straight. It was That was the difficult part for me. Um, and the hardest part for me, actually, the whole trip was the way home. She got really, really sick. She um, ended up, she had a cold on the way there. When we were there, I treated her with some antibiotics, thinking she had a sinus infection. It didn't go away. On the way back... The first flight, we had three flights. The first flight, she wasn't feeling well, had a headache. I was like, honey, you know, take, I was drugging her. Gave her, gave her some medicine, didn't help. Second flight, she ended up in the fetal position holding her face because she was so sick. And she was moaning and throwing up. And I was just like, Lord, what? we have the longest flight left. Our 13-hour flight was left. And I'm like, what are we going to do? So the flight attendants ended up giving us some medication that helps people with headaches. She threw that up. It didn't help. So when we got off the plane, I was, you know, I prayed about it, and I'm just like, we have, we have to get home. So we get back on the flight, and they already knew her by name. And these were new <laughs> flight attendants. So they came up to both of us. Miss Isabel, I hear that you're not feeling well. And I'm like, uh-oh. Because they question you. Are you vomiting? you have a fever? 
Well, she was vomiting because she got, you know, air sick with the headache and everything. She didn't have a fever, but I was just like, I got to be careful about what I say because I'll make us stay there. And I wasn't, I didn't want to do that. (laughs) So I ended up giving her a Xanax and it knocked her out for nine hours straight. She doesn't even remember it, but we had pillows and blankets and had her up against the the side of the airplane. And she wakes up after nine hours and says, can I have another one so I don't feel the rest of the flight? And I'm like, no, we're almost home. (laughs) So uh, for me, that was the hardest part because I didn't get a wink of sleep. I was worried that I might have killed her because I had given her so many drugs through the day. Got off the plane, got home. We had hamburgers on the way home, and she was fine. So that ended up lasting for about two or three days, and I finally found an allergy medicine that released all that pressure in her head. Yeah, and she she was feeling better. Um, coming home has been very difficult for me also because it's a first-world problem, but I'm seeing third-world things, and I my patience is really tried with people that I want, I want, I want. Um, it's difficult for me because we're spoiled Americans, and we don't know it. People don't know any different here, but I, I do daycare, and that's what I hear from the kids. I want, I want, I want, and I'm thinking, you have no idea. <laughs> um, so that's just something that I have to deal with because it's not their fault, and I understand that, but I will be going back. So maybe next year, possibly. So I will be there again. Isabel, I got a question for you. Yes. After everything you went through, being sick and all the, you you had probably, you know, you and Ethan, I think, had probably the hardest time on the plane. Um, would you go back? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going back on a plane. Um, in March, I'm actually going to Haiti. Just, I'll throw this in real quick before Isabel says anything, but, uh, you know, I, I, years ago, I was one of those people that thought, um, man, you know, we're talking better than 1800 bucks per person to get them to India, to get us to India, and I'm thinking, couldn't that money be better spent if we just sent it over there and let them figure out how to do it? Um, uh, that was the thinking of somebody who's never experienced being on a missions trip, and I'll just lay down that the risen head of the church told us, go and make disciples, be about missions and do that. Um, it's so radically important, and it changes not only the lives of the people you go and meet, and I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, but, but it changes our lives. Isabel. So I've known about Little Flock since I don't know, but I was like five or six. And I was heard about it, and I looked at all the pictures, and I was like, oh, I want to go there someday. And then fifth grade came around, was that she was our teacher, Sharon, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go. And then that was little fifth grade me, whatever. And then... A couple weeks before we decided to go on the trip, I was like, hey, Mom, I haven't been to church in a while with sports and everything. I can't be, I wasn't able to go. So I was like, let's go tomorrow. And she was like, okay. And we come, and oh, yeah, the India trips is coming. I was like, Mom, can we go? <laughs> and then she asked my sister, I was like, really? You can't take me? And then the whole time I was there, I woke up two days before the trip. I had a sore throat. I was sick. The whole time I was there, I couldn't smell anything. I was congested. We got, and the trip was amazing. The kids were just something else. I mean, I've been around kids my whole life. I've only been in daycare 17 years, and I'm 15. So 
And then the kids are just so grateful. They want to be around you. They don't backtalk you. They don't have attitude. They just they love that you're there. They just want to play with you all the time. They're sad to see you go. It's it's heartbreaking losing. Yet. Um, my name is Yet Neri, and um, which led to a lot of really good puns on the trip. Are we ready yet? <laughs> not Can yet. Can we go yet? <laughs> not yet. Are so, we there anyway. yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I became a Christian in 2012, and all along I always wanted to. Sorry, that picture really brings back the memories. Um, to go to a mission. So when I heard here at Living Hope that they'll be doing a mission in India, I told Steve, my husband, I said, hey, Jan, I want to go. I want to go. And then he said, nope, you can't. I'm like, really? So I get praying. And then I think after two days, he told me, okay, you can go. And there you go. I got so excited. And um, before I finish my testimony, I really encourage you, you know, even if it's not your thing, even once in your lifetime, go. Even if you don't have money, for sure, God will make that way for you. And I want to thank those who gave us that opportunity. Shout out for Miss Cindy, who helped us really a lot during the garage sale. <laughs> and... Thank you also for Angela. I know that she's behind the scene of all the paperwork that Phil is supposed to do, but he can. <laughs> but overall, it was amazing, amazing, amazing trip, and I'm so glad I went. Um, nothing is new to me because I came from the Philippines. Weather is just the same, humid. Uh, the surroundings are the same. So it brings back again the memories from my childhood and God just once and for all revealed to me how much blessings I've had since. And I just want to let everybody remember, especially all of us here in the U.S., you know, that um, we're so blessed to have what we have right now. Those kids in India didn't know what they're missing, but every time they come to us, they always have this big, big smile on their face. They're so amazing. They're so lovable, and they don't care. They don't care even if they have only two-by-two-by-four box, and that's all they have to put all their things, their clothes, their books, everything. And I have, we all have this closet full of clothes and shoes, and we still complain. Only two by two by four box is all they have, and they're okay with that. And then um, the elders, you know, the women, although you can still see the difference on how they treat the women there, you know, it's still like um, second class, but they don't care. You know, they're all behind the scene. They are in the kitchen cooking the food for the kids, and they're all happy every time they talk to you. And they have this thing on their head 
<laughs> that they always like move their head and we don't know if it's a yes or a no. So we just kind of like, okay, whatever that is. <laughs> and so, you know, um, another thing that God revealed to me also is um, I don't have any kids and all along I thought I'm being selfish for not having kids. But around these uh, around these kids at Little Flock, he uh, confirmed to me that there are other ways on how you can help these kids and have kids. You know, can you can have thirty two kids in your life? And yes, it's it didn't come out from my own body, but because I know that God knows me, I can't around kids for more than two hours so <laughs> it's driving me crazy so but anyways I love those kids that's why those pictures and then when I try these clothes on this morning I'm like wow it's been more than a month and I really meant those kids you know we, we played with them and the only issue that I had since I'm used to traveling long flight you know 14 hours or 16 hours everything is fine but when I got there, I had some issues with the food. Thank God I have peanut butter and Oreos and jerky. So that is my food. And I can eat boiled eggs every day also. So, But overall, like I said, if you have the chance to go, just go. It's different. You, you, you feel the difference when, when you're there and especially when you're back here, back to normal that we're always in a rush, in a rush. Come on, let's do something, let's do something. Back there, you're like, really? What are we doing? What are we waiting? But that's how they are. It's, it's so nice to learn the culture and just recognizing again how much blessings we all, we all have here in the U.S. So yeah. just think about those who are still in need of those that God is working in our lives also just to be there. And yeah, Phil has a more personal, intimate relation, I mean, experience when he was back there witnessing those kids being orphans. And I know there's not a whole lot of kids right here, but we're all, you're lucky to have both of your parents around you. So those kids, they don't have any you know, they have a chance to visit them, but we have this kid who just got dropped there same night like we arrived there. And throughout that period that we were there, he's just looking at the gate because his mom promised him that she's going to come back, but she never did. So he's always looking at the gate, crying. But overall, Little Flock did a good job, really, and I hope I can go back again and feel that experience again. And thank you. Thanks, Janet. Ethan. <clears throat> We've got just a few minutes left here, and I'm going to share something at the end, but I want to uh, bring my son Ethan up, who got to go on the trip, and let him share just briefly about what's going on. So I'm Ethan, his son. And a few years back, my dad had already gone to India and when he got back, I made him promise me that he would never go back to India. And he said that he wouldn't make any promises to that, but he would promise me that he would never go back without me. So I was like, okay, I'm never going to India. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so 
like few weeks before the trip was supposed to happen, um, the person who was supposed to lead the team got sick and wasn't able to lead the team. And they had asked my dad to lead the team. So he came home and was like, well, I've been asked to lead the team. And I was like, okay, we're going to India. Uh, and so that was a real miracle in and of itself because I was never going to go to India. And once, once we were actually, like, on the plane, I got sick and started throwing up. And I was like, God, why did you put me on this plane? Once we got to India and, like, I saw the kids and how they acted and stuff, it was one of those things where it was like, that's why you put me on the plane. That's why you took me to India. That's why I'm here. The food was a real juggle. Thank God for ramen noodles. Um, I packed three boxes of ramen noodles in my backpack. It was great. Um, so, yeah, it was a great trip and a real perspective changer. Thanks. Yeah, um, you can go sit down, I guess. I'm going to try and wrap something into about five minutes. Um, I shouldn't have looked back there. The three kids on the screen behind me, uh, a few days after we got into Little Flock, we were there, and I've got about five minutes to wrap this thing up. Um, The little boy and the little girl on the one side of me that are together, um, their father uh, had come to drop them off that day at Little Flock. And the little boy on the other side, I can't even look back there right now. Um, His mom was there that same day. And there are three classes of kids at Little Flock. There are those who um, have both parents that are still alive, but the parents are incapable of taking care of the kids. And they're wanting a better life for their kids. So they'll bring them to Little Flock because it's the best chance they've got at having any kind of a future. Then there's... A category where one parent is still alive or in the, in the picture, um, but they bring their kids to Little Flock. The other parents passed away or something's happened. Um, and then there's those kids who don't have any parents. Um, the kids in this picture, the little boy and the little girl, uh, their mother had passed away several months prior. And the father had been trying to do it by himself, but couldn't go to work, couldn't provide for them on his own. And... Um, the little boy, his mom, kind of same category. Um, mom had to surrender him for those kids to have any chance of a future and any chance at health and food and things like that. And the day that we were there, we'd seen these kids coming in and out of the chow hall. I'd seen uh, the individual parents of each one coming in and out of where we were eating and stuff. But um, as I left the chow hall, I'm walking across the grounds of Little Flock, and I hear a child crying, crying really hard. And um, I walk over towards the office. And as I walk into the office, the father of these two was signing the paperwork to surrender his children um, to Little Flock, to have Little Flock take care of his children. And there was a pastor um, that had come and was helping with that process. And um, I picked up the little boy. And the other little boy followed us outside and little sister, her name's Blessie, she came out and she was standing by my side and I was holding her hand. And I had the one little boy in my arm and the other little boy was standing there and his mom came out and said bye to him and started walking towards the gate and 
And uh, then the father of these other two kids came out. And he was being really strong. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, how can you do this? How can you be this strong in the midst of this? You know, and, and I, I found myself thinking about judging. But then I also realized he wants the best for his children. And I'm thinking, God, why am I here at this moment on the other side of the world? Why did you bring me 10,000 miles for this moment? And I was wrestling with that for a long time after we got back. But um, as I'm holding them, um, the father comes up. He touches each one of them on the cheek like this. And... Uh, says something to him in Tamil. I couldn't understand what it was. I couldn't speak their language. They couldn't speak my language. I'm standing there holding this little boy. He's holding on to me, and the dad turns around to walk away. And the little boy looks at me like, what's going on? And the little girl's hand tightens up on my hand. And um, the dad walks about 10 feet and then turns around, and I see his lips start to shake. And this is the first emotion I've seen out of him. Um, I thought, this guy was incredibly strong, but up to this point, and then little puddles start to come up in his eyes, and he looks at the kids and says something else to them, and then turns around and rapidly starts walking towards the gate, and it's about about a hundred yards to where the gate is from where we were standing, and and here I am standing with these three children whose parents have just had to leave them behind for a better life and walk away, and um, as a dad with my son on this trip, I'm thinking, why am I here? What's this all about? I couldn't do this. This is so hard. And as I got back, it took me a full month to finally put it together. But I realized that God had taken me there for a new perspective in my life. One, for being there for those kids on that day. Uh, staff was stretched pretty thin, and I got to be there with those kids. And I spent the rest of the day with them, kind of comforting them and, you know, hugging on them, kissing them, playing, and just, you know, being there for them. And uh, we built quite a bond. When it came time to leave, I felt like, I told my wife a couple times, I felt like I was leaving my family to come home to my family. I still feel that way. I feel like I've got half my family in India. Um, But God took me there that morning to see how hard it is. And I think it's poignant that it's Communion Sunday. Because let me read a verse to you real quick, and then I'll wrap it up. We're at the crucifixion. Jesus has just been put up on the cross. This is out of Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And all I can imagine that morning was those kids were crying out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. But about their father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you walked away? And we know from the story of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that God the Father had to turn his back on him at that moment because he couldn't look upon the sin that was there. And when I saw this father have to turn his back on his kids, those kids didn't know that what the dad was doing for them was best. All they could feel was all that pain and anguish. And I think it's so amazing and so much more and so hard for me to even get a hold of it. But God gave me a glimpse into how hard it was for him that morning when I saw that father's lip quiver and saw his eyes fill with tears to turn around and walk away from his child and how hard it was for God on our behalf to turn around and not look upon his child. Not for his child's own good, but for our own good. It's a story I'll never forget. It's a picture I'll never forget. And feeling the pain with those kids and spending the rest of the day with those kids who had just had their father walk away from them and not probably won't understand for years what their father really did for them was a good thing. I've got a whole new perspective on the sacrifice that we remembered and celebrated this morning.
through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gift that God gave. So as we leave this morning, we're gonna, I'm just going to wrap up and pray because we're at 1022. Um, bow your heads this morning uh, with me and just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are uh, such an amazing God, that God, you would take a team 10,000 miles to be there on that morning for those kids to love and comfort them and to play with them and be there with them. But Lord, also that you would allow me to go halfway around the world so that you could paint a picture for me, that I could come back and share this morning. I pray, God, that some way, somehow, as we look at the picture on the screen too, God, that, that it would burn into the hearts of those that are here. I know it's story once removed, but God, thank you so much. I've got a whole fresh new perspective of how painful it was for you to sacrifice your son on my behalf. Lord, help us not to take our faith casually, but to realize the pain and the anguish that you went through and that Jesus went through for our behalf. God, I pray that that would be something that would be written on our heart and that it would change us forever. God, I pray that you would help us to be who you've called us to be so that we can do what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.